what may come from it Once May comes, then we graduate for the summer Tell then lock in, watch the cake come from it uh, Pray to God we break 100 And once you get it poppin', watch the hate come from it uh, Chicks I used to chase come from it I can ask my bro, he gon' stay 100 with me uh, I know what they talking about Chalk Talkers. Today on the pod, we have former standout kicker of the South Carolina Gamecocks, now turned kicker of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Elliot Fry. Welcome to Chalk Talk, Elliot. Yeah, thank you guys for having me. Appreciate it. Happy to have you here. So to get into things right away, let's talk about your time over at South Carolina a little bit and your journey to the NFL. So you want to just talk about how you uh, kind of came into South Carolina as a walk-on, as a freshman, and then were able to make the SEC all-freshman team in your first year there. Yeah, so um, no, I grew up in Dallas, Texas, so really not anywhere uh, near South Carolina. But um, recruiting for kickers is really weird in college because you only have, you know, if, if a school has a kicker that's young that they like, you know, they're really not going to recruit a kicker, scholarship a guy you know, for three or four years, um, cause there's no need to. So, um, a lot of schools are kind of like almost off limits, you know, like the university of Texas, that's where my dad went. That's where I like wanted to go, but they had scholarship to kid a year before me. So I knew like that was never gonna really happen. Um, so I didn't really have any scholarship offers or anything. And, um, I wanted to play, you know, if I was going to play football, I wanted to play at kind of the biggest, uh, the biggest stage, the biggest level, which was the SEC. Um, and so they ended up, so I got a preferred walk-on, which basically means they recruit you, but they don't give you a scholarship. You, you basically are on the team. You don't have to try out, but uh, you're a walk-on. You have to earn your scholarship. So I went up and, you know, it was, especially at the time, um, you know, that was my first year was Clowney's last year. We were really good, you know, top 10 in football every year. So, um, it was perfect. I mean, I, I went up, visited, loved it. Um, so ended up going there in 2013 and, uh, you know, just, uh, worked hard and, and ended up starting my freshman year. And, uh, I don't know, just, just things started rolling, uh, ended up having a really good freshman year made the all freshman SEC team. So it was, uh, yeah, no, it was, it was cool. So you said there, if you were going to play football, um, would you have not have played or would you have played another sport? Um, no, I could have gone to a smaller school for soccer, but for me, it was like, would you rather go to school and play soccer? Or would you play like on like, you know, play in the <laughs> SEC football? So it was like, you know, that was definitely appealing to me. Um, but you know, just with me not having any scholarship offers, I really wasn't, um, you know, I wanted to go to a big school and have fun and have the college experience, get a good education. I wasn't really focused too much on necessarily playing. Like I didn't want to go to a smaller D1 or a D2 school and like be a starter right away and uh, kind of just be at a smaller school. You know, I wanted to, you know, if I was going to play, cause you know, and, and my kind of mentality was like, Hey, go walk on. If you don't play, you don't play you're still, you know, it's a great experience. You're still getting a great education. You're at a fun SEC school. So um, that's, that was kind of my mindset. And uh, yeah. So you mentioned uh, things started getting rolling. Uh, they definitely did. And you have 359 points scored at South Carolina, which is the record for your program history. Uh, what does that mean to you and kind of the process through going uh, to get that record? 
Yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's really cool. It's, it's obviously an honor to, um, you know, to have that record. It's, it's funny, you know, and when, when you say it, it sounds a lot cooler than it is, but it's usually always a kicker, you know, just because you're consistently putting points on the board. So it's like, I think a lot of people, when they hear that, they don't realize like every school's leading, leading score is basically just a kicker. Um, but, you know, I remember when I first got there and uh, they, at South Carolina, they put up the names of all those career record holders kind of on the, uh, on the stadium, around the stadium, so you can see the names uh, and the records. And I remember after my first season, I had 99 points and I looked up and I think the record was like 330. And I was like, you know, I, wow, I could, you know, if I don't get hurt, if I play the next three years, you know, I, I think I can, I can beat that. And uh, you know, have my name up on the stadium, which was like, you know, that'd be awesome. So, um, yeah, but I mean, any, any four-year kicker is going to have a pretty good shot uh, in any, on any school, any team, going to have a pretty good shot at, at getting that record. So of that 359-point record, you had a big three-pointer versus Vanderbilt in the game where the 55-yarder with 35 seconds to go. Can you walk us through that play there? Yeah. Um, yeah, we were Vanderbilt. It was uh, opening game of the season. Um, Coach Muschamp's first first game, so we had had a really down year, and a lot of a lot of stuff was going a lot going on. A lot of stuff was changing, and um, yeah, we were down like the entire game, um, and it was just not. We just were playing terrible. I mean, just stuff wasn't happening, and um, you know, the, the game winner was something that I really hadn't had kind of like a walk-off game winner in my career yet, which I was like really, really wanted to have happen. You know, as a kicker, that's kind of what you dream about. And I'd had pressure kicks and kicks in overtime that, you know, might have ended up being like the game winner, but not like that true walk-off, like you kick it, you make it, you guys win. You know, I hadn't had that moment. And so um, I made a field goal right at the end of the third quarter, and it was uh, it was tied. And I remember thinking – you know, me and uh, me and our, my snapper and holder, you know, fourth quarter went on and it was like, we're going to get this shot. You know, we're going to get, you know, this opportunity to go in and kick just because the ball wasn't moving for either team. Uh, we thought it was going to come down to a field goal. And, uh, you know, we had the ball and it was it was funny. We were right on the verge of, of field goal range, you know, kind of right around the 35. So that's a 53 yarder. And there's like 40 seconds left and we end up going and like taking a knee but like moving back like three yards and I'm like what the hell are we doing like you like what what's going on why are we losing yards you know we're right on that that fringe you like the last thing we want to do is is lose yards and uh so I moved it back to a 55 but um no I mean I was ready I was I was pumped went in there and uh you know snap was perfect hold was perfect and just was able to kind of bang it through so you, t you talk about your long snapper there, and the snap was perfect. Can you um, talk about your relationship there with Drew Williams, who I heard from an insider is a good, real good friend of yours? Yeah, yeah, best friend. He, uh, we, we lived together all four years of college. Um, you know, probably the first person I met. You know, we were kind of similar situation. We both walked on, um, and so we were, you know, they put us in a room together, and, um, you know, especially – you know, going into college over that summer, you know, neither of us like knew anybody, none of the kids are on campus. So uh, we became real close friends. And, um, you know, we were just pretty much all practice too. You're with that little small group of specialists, the kickers, the punters and the snappers. So you really have a, a bond with all those guys. And, um, 
yeah, I mean, he was an All-American snapper. You know, he was he was awesome for for us and for me. You know, selfishly, I mean, he was he was awesome. So, yeah. Awesome. Going back to that kick for a second, can you just kind of take us through the mentality you need to have? Like, I've never been in the position, but I assume it's very high pressure situation. Like, what do you do to like block out the with the crowd noise and everything like that? Yeah, no, that's something that definitely comes along over time. Um, I think, you know, when I first got to, got to school, um, you know, I had, I went to a really small private school, like only graduated with 45 kids in my class. So, you know, I would kick field goals in high school at games and it just, you know, whatever, there's a hundred people in the stands, you know, it doesn't matter. And I remember as a true freshman kind of getting thrown out there and it was, you know, 80,000 people. And, um, I still remember, I mean, it's not like, guys don't get nervous it's just kind of a different kind of nervous um it's more just like straight adrenaline because you don't really have enough time to like think about you know everything happening it's re- it happens really fast so you just run out there and kick it but um I definitely think over time you kind of build um just a mentality for it and at the end of the day it's kind of like a am I allowed to cuss on here yeah go for yeah. it no, it's just kind of like a, you know, what they say, it's kind of like a fuck it mentality. You know, it's like you got to go in with the attitude of, you know, just go kick the ball. You know, whatever happens, happens. You, you can't think about making the kick or missing the kick. At least that's that's kind of my thing is I'm I'm very just – I'm almost not even thinking about the kick. I'm, I'm just like – it's like statics going on in my head. It's just kind of like, oh, well, I got to go kick this ball now. And you just kind of go and do it. So – it's definitely a weird thing. It's uh, I definitely get more nervous like watching. I've watched games in the past, and like I'll like sit there and I'm like, oh my god, like how God that is so nerve wracking. Like it makes me nervous now, even though I know it's gonna happen. Um, it's definitely a lot more nerve wracking, I think, watching from the TV. So would you say it's like kind of like the shooter shoot for kickers? It's just like the kicker's kick type type of situation. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, you just like at the end of the day, I remember. I remember going out there for my very first field goal against North Carolina, like I said, and there's just like 80,000 fans. And I'm like, Oh my God. And like, I remember sitting back there just kind of like nervous as shit. And then at the end of the day, it's like that ball just was snapped. And it's like, you got to be like, well, whatever happens, I got to go kick it. Like, you know, there's no, you you can't just not go. So um, yeah, I I remember that. And that just kind of became the mentality from there on out. So before we get into your NFL career, you want to talk about your short stint in the AAF with the Orlando Apollos a little bit. You made 14 of 14 field goals there and were coached by uh, historic coach and Steve Superior. Yeah. Um, Yeah, no, that was a, you know, I thought it was a great opportunity, obviously. Kind of like a lot of those, a lot of the spring football leagues, you know, didn't end up working out, but, um, no, I, I had actually, before then, I had completely quit football. Um, I just hadn't, you know, I had graduated and left USC, and I just, you know, didn't have any calls from NFL teams. You know, teams weren't looking at me. It had been a year since I had gotten any type of call. Uh, and so I kind of just quit, and I went to start working, um, trying to kind of be a financial advisor. And was working, and when Coach Spurrier actually first called me over the, the summer of 2018, I pretty much like told him no like he was like hey you know I'm doing this league I want you to come in I'm like yeah like no like I don't I didn't know anything about it and I didn't you know I was just starting a job and 
kind of getting into it felt like I could have some success there so it was uh it was interesting I mean I basically just told them no and then as things kind of went on I found out you know it's kind of the work that I was doing is you know you can take three months off you know it's it's more commission based so it's like I could have taken three months off gone to play and then come back and kind of work through the season in a way and it was the time it was like 70 grand for three months and it's like wow I could just go do that almost like a summer break make 70 grand then come back and keep working um and so that was kind of my mentality going into it I, I didn't really even think about the NFL at all that wasn't even really a goal um end up going there and you know ended up not missing and, and having a really good stint and right after that got got the call from Chicago so that's not too bad of a salary for a summer break yeah, I mean, you know, you get paid by game. So we didn't finish the full season. So we didn't get like the, we missed out on two games basically. So we didn't get paid for those last two. But it was, you know, when you're a kid coming out of college and it's like three months, 70 grand, I mean, that's more than most people make coming out of college. And then it's plus another nine months of work. And I was like ecstatic. I was like, this is the way, I mean, you know, that's that's the way to do it. Then, so you mentioned the the Bears camp. What was it like to finally get into an NFL camp and then, like, the atmosphere in Chicago? And what did you learn from that whole experience over there? Yeah, well, you know, that was uh, that was a training camp after the infamous uh, Parky double right, doink. Yeah. So things <laughs> were very uh, interesting over in Chicago. There was a lot of – just a lot of stuff going on. Um, obviously, a lot of people still – mad and heard about the year before and um and they wanted to exhaust all resources so I think in that rookie mini camp we had like nine kickers come in and um you know ended up going through the whole summer whittled down to me and uh, uh Eddie Pinero who's there now and um no the thing I I, I think I took away from it most was really how uh kind of how to be a pro you know I think when you're even when you're a college athlete to some degree um, you know, you have your workouts and you have these things and, you know, I would go out and kick, you know, all the time, you know, I consider myself a really hard worker, but, you know, there's a difference, I think, when you get to the next level and being around veterans and, um, kind of just taking things more seriously, treating your body as kind of an asset, um, you know, really emphasizing things like recovery and it's not just going into workout. It's like every exercise I do now and, and kind of what I learned back then, you know, it's every exercise you do. Um, has to be for something you know you don't just go up and throw up you know weight on a bench you know you don't just go up and see how much you can squat you know it, it definitely turned for me more of um, just really focusing in on things that are going to make me better um, so I think that was probably the biggest difference from that I learned at least in Chicago so this uh, after Chicago, um, <clears throat> this past October, you were uh, drafted by the St. Louis Battlehawks of the XFL and decided not to sign with them. Can you tell us a little bit about that and how you kind of forego that and were looking towards the NFL? Yeah, so um, yeah, so I got drafted by the Battlehawks. And, you know, again, I wasn't opposed to playing in that league. Um, but I did have a little bit of leverage. I was their first pick in the basically their first pick after they did all the positions so after the QBs the running backs were taken I was like the first overall pick for them so I had a little bit of leverage um, especially coming off the AAF season which was similar to theirs but um, I had 
a lot of workouts during the, the NFL season. So I ended up having 12 workouts. So pretty much every week I was on a plane Monday to go work out for someone, for a team whose kicker had been hurt or kind of shit the bed the week before and they were looking to make a change. So I was, I was kind of getting a lot of phone calls, a lot of, um, you know, hearing a lot of good stuff. And so if I would have signed at that point with the Battle Hawks, I could not have done anything. So if I were to have signed and then say week 13 of the NFL rolls around and, you know, the Vikings are like, Elliot, we want to sign you for the last three games. Our guy got hurt. I couldn't do that. That's you're basically off the table. So I didn't want to sign, especially um, during the season. And then there's also what comes up right after the season are futures contracts. So teams basically the, the very first day of the off season, which is December 31st, right after the last game, teams will sign their practice squad players and a, and a couple other free agents that they want to have on their 90 man roster for the next year. So then that kind of brings up the question, would you rather have a futures contract, which means you really, other than a signing bonus, you're not getting paid for the next four months because it's the off season or do you go and play in the xfl and make some money but there's more risk there you know you, you could have a bad snapper and holder and end up missing a few field goals and now teams aren't interested in you anymore and now you're not in a training camp uh in the summer so that's you know kind of what i looked at is kind of taking the risk out of it i wouldn't want that to happen um so i ended up signing a futures deal with the panthers uh like December 31st and, and kind of didn't do the XFL. I'm sure that must have been uh, quite a new year celebration, December 31st signing. It was, yeah, it was, it was awesome. It was, uh, you know, I, I was pumped, obviously, you know, anytime you get signed and kind of given that, that, uh, you know, that green light to, to be on a team is, is awesome. So you mentioned snappers and holders before and kind of how that's a good uh, close group for you. How important is it to like get into a rhythm with those guys? I assume kind of moving around to different teams, you can't really get comfortable and then teams are looking for immediate success. Is that a difficult part of kicking, especially in the NFL? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely hard. I mean, different teams also do different things. You know, it's like for any other position, it's, it is probably the easiest to move around teams, but there is still some difficulty you know it's not as hard as a quarterback having to go and learn a whole new playbook at another team but um yeah I mean different guys snap at different speeds there's different guys hold different ways and it's you know most of those guys are absolute professionals they can get it down but it is important to kind of build that rapport with uh whoever you're with and kind of get it down and have them know what you like your little tendencies your nuances and, and really zone in on those Definitely. Oh, for sure, no doubt. So how excited are you uh, to be down in Tampa with the new rejuvenated Bucks team? Of course, you got Tom Brady, Gronk coming in. I'm sure you're ecstatic. Yeah. Yeah, that was um, – yeah, being with them is awesome. You know, very random. And, you know, obviously everybody's been following the Bucks the whole – you know, the whole offseason, you know, especially since Tom Brady got there and Gronk. And now it's like – you know, you end up getting a call one day and now you're on that team. And I remember, you know, I still, I'm like, wow, like I'm going to get the opportunity to go into a locker room with, uh, you know, Tom Brady and those guys who are, you know, probably the best quarterback to ever play the game. So, um, no, it's really cool. I'm, I'm excited. Have you been in touch with any of those guys recently? 
Um, yeah, no, I have not texted Tom. Haven't really. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I don't. I don't. I, I, don't I know. heard you or any other of the Bucks. Yeah, no, I. Um, you know, we have our virtual workouts. We have our, um, you know, little Zoom meetings, and I, I talk with the coaches, and I've I've gone to um, get some work with. So their their punter who's always the holder for the kicker. Uh, he actually went to Clemson, so I've I've gone and kicked with him and have have him hold for me. Just kind of, we're just talking about kind of building that rapport. I'm gonna get some work with him, but um, no, I mean I I'm still in Charleston, kind of waiting for our green light to go down to Tampa. So I haven't really talked to too many guys, but yeah. And then something I've always just wondered to like get away from uh, Tampa for a second is the move back extra point and like how that's affected kickers in recent years. And uh, do you like the rule or, or what are your thoughts about that? So I, I do. I think it, it's interesting. I think it, you know, luckily for me, I think it plays to my strengths. Um, I've always been, you know, kind of the, you know, what I have going for me is, is being consistent, you know, especially, you know, under 53, you know, 53 and in like I, you know, I, I'm, I don't miss too much. So I think moving it back for me, you know, where when you're kicking a 20 yard extra point, you know, everybody's going to make that when you're having a 33 yarder, you know, over the course of the season and having about 50 of them, you know, most guys, you know, just statistically are going to miss more of those. Um, so I think for me, that's one of an, an advantage I have over my competition, you know, not everybody, but you know, that's, that's where I'm, I'm better. So I think it, uh, it's good for me. It's, it's interesting though. It definitely changes the psychology of it. You know, in college, when you're, having that 21 yard extra point um, it's almost like an extra rep that, you know, especially, you know, when you're at, at the top, you know, if you're in the NFL, you know, you, you almost can't miss those, you know, it would be like playing golf. And before you have to hit an eight iron in, you get to just throw a ball down and hit an eight iron knowing that it doesn't matter because you know, you almost can't miss. So it's like having a free swing or like a free um, shot at it, you know, knowing that later in the game, you know, you're going out to get in a feel and everything, but you don't, you know, you don't have the pressure of missing because it's so short. So if that makes any sense, it, uh, you know, it, it changes it because now you can really like, you can miss a 33 yard or it's still a short field goal. But when you add those up, you know, if you, you miss hit it a little bit, it, especially with wind and stuff, I mean, you can miss, it, it's not a, it's not a gimme anymore. And especially with the thinner goalposts, I'm sure it was a little bit of a transition from college. Well, no. So they actually college and pros, the same goalposts. Okay. Um, they actually just extend them higher just because NFL kickers typically kick it sure. higher. You hit a better ball, all the guys in the NFL. So um, makes it easier for the refs to not have to get into the battle of if it goes over the post, are we calling it good or bad? Um, but it's, it's actually – so the, the only thing that's different too are the hashes are moved in. So the hashes are actually aligned with the goalposts. So you're really never kicking from the right hash or left hash. Like every kick is, is almost within the goalpost. So it's almost a little bit easier to kick in the NFL. And then I'm wondering what is the hardest place to kick in the SEC? I'm sure between Death Valley and the Swamp and Gainesville, there's some, there's some tough crowds. Yeah. I mean – you know, as a kicker, if you're playing, you know, in, in SEC stadiums, there's not going to be one place that's harder to kick in terms of crowd noise or in terms of pressure, you know. Um, you know, in my opinion, if you're playing in front of 40,000 people versus 100,000 people, 
you know, when you're, when you're playing on a Saturday, it makes no difference. You know, it's, it may be a little louder, but that's not going to, I'm not going to get more nervous because, you know, there's extra fans in there, you know, you already know you've got a million people watching on TV. And um, so that doesn't make a difference, but the wind in the stadium, that's what's so I always had trouble in Tennessee. Tennessee was always had this really bad swirling wind. So the two times I played there, um, it was just, that was actually the first field goal I ever missed was in Tennessee. And they just have this swirling wind where the flags will be blown one way and you'll kind of play that wind and it'll, the ball will just go the complete opposite way. So it's, it's tough to kick there, I'd say. And then I was looking on your Twitter a little bit and your connection with the JDRF, the, the foundation yeah. about type one diabetes. Can you talk a little bit about your connection with that and then the, the walk, the one walk in Charleston? Yeah. Um, so I've been a type one diabetic for, since I was seven. Um, so, you know, that was one thing when I got to college, it was, you know, now you have a platform and, and kind of helping, you know, raise awareness for things like that, that obviously, uh, you know, affect me and, and kids with, with diabetes. So, um, basically when I was in Columbia, I got connected with JDRF in Columbia, which is really kind of their headquarters for the whole state. So, um, I had done stuff with them all through college, you know, through you know, pretty much ever since I was in college. And um, now since I got back to Charleston, um, where I'm, you know, still got a lot of Gamecock fans around here. Um, so, yeah, no, I mean, I'm just kind of helping out any way I can, raising awareness, going to help them out with the walk, doing things like that, just uh, trying to support. Awesome. Definitely and so, awesome. like you just mentioned, you are still in Charleston, uh, South Carolina, but still a little further away from Columbia, South Carolina. Can you just tell us a little bit about what you miss most about the University of South Carolina? Is it five points, bird dog, group therapy? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely – I'm trying to think. I definitely miss, you know, the, the first couple years when you're a freshman and a sophomore and you're living – at least for us, we were living on campus – you know, and, and getting to going to just walk down to five points, not really worrying about anything. I mean, that was th those were those were the good days Go, going down. I think freshman year kind of, you know, right when you get out out from under under your parents in high school and it's just, you know, everybody's just going going crazy. So I definitely, definitely miss five points from, you know, but see, now I go back now and it's like, you know, I'm probably a little too old to be there. It's like little smelly there's a lot of really young kids there so that's weird um <laughs> so I don't know if I miss it in that sense but I miss I miss like the 18 19 year old Elliot and the guys rolling down to five points and then I saw you are a big golfer too do you have you been getting yeah. in some some golf during quarantine absolutely yeah no I'm uh yeah it's probably an addiction. I, I play a lot of golf. There's a lot of nice courses down here in Charleston. So, um, yeah, I've been playing a lot. None of the courses have really closed down here. So I've just been, that's pretty much what I've been doing, kicking, working out and golfing. Awesome. Cool. Awesome. So that will about do it for our interview with Elliot Friday. I just want to give a quick shout out to Caroline Patron for making the link. Thank you very much, Caroline. Elliot, we appreciate you for coming on the pod, and uh, stay safe out there. All the best. Yeah, I appreciate it, guys. Thanks, Elliot. Thanks, Good thanks Caroline. Sure. Thanks, Elliot. What type of voodoo magic trick?
I gotta do in order to see you before.